When one starts out in business, one of the crucial skills for any entrepreneur is the ability to effectively market and sell their business. Our next guest, Steve Mills, has spent over two decades honing his expertise in these areas, helping countless clients achieve the growth they desire. If you want to know more about Steve and how he can help your business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favorite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London. Real people, real business, real talk. Hello, Steve, and welcome to The Cashflow Show. Hello, Clayton. It's great to be here. Really looking forward to it. And thank you ever so much for inviting me. You're most welcome, sir. So I've given a brief teaser for the Cashflow crew to get an idea of who you are. But I want you to explain yourself because you've got a lot to tell. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, as you suggested, and um, it's actually just coming up to 28 years now. I was obviously very young when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, uh, I spent 28 years working literally with thousands of businesses in hundreds of industries, uh, helping them to improve the effectiveness of their sales and marketing, really. I work with businesses who are looking to grow, and, and they, they tend to come to me with one of three problems. They either uh, don't have time to do the, the marketing themselves. For a lot of them these days, they don't understand um, you know the the digital marketing world that we now live in. Uh, you know they have problems often with things like how to use LinkedIn. They don't understand SEO. Uh, they don't get paid per click advertising and so on. And then a few of them are just like uh, you know they, they, they've started their business and they're ticking along okay, relying on referrals and word of mouth and a bit of networking and so on. Uh, and then they, they get to a level where they think, do you know what? We really need to do more. Uh, we've got to try and improve it. And, uh, and they're the three groups of people and need for help, really. Excellent. So you mentioned 28 years, and obviously you just, you know, you were still in school when you were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you formed stevemills.com which is the subject of our podcast today but that wasn't always the job or the role that you did what let's take you right back to the beginning of your 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 business career were you always in sales and marketing no it, it, it's it's really weird I, I started off um you know i i come from sheffield originally and uh you know being a, a young boy in sheffield you know we we never really we did okay you know we weren't like dirt poor but we we certainly you know my father uh was a a, a joiner um you know a carpenter and uh you know we, we earned a re or he earned a reasonable amount of money but i had to be a little bit more you know um business focused even as a young man and uh you know I, I recall when i was about seven or eight years old uh, my father telling me that uh these flowers that we were planting in the garden next year would have spread all over the garden and so me and my mind immediately thought right well if i dig off of them up and sell them at the at the end of the street, then it won't matter because they'll have uh, come back next year. So that was my first business, <laughs> which was which was very successful, if short lived, um, because when my father came home at, at five o'clock from work. He, he decided that that business should no longer continue, and uh, so so I've, I've yeah I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always uh, you know tried to you know run businesses literally from eight years old. Interestingly, I went into a very different career straight from school. I became a full time professional table tennis player. 
which is really weird. There's not many of those around. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I uh, I played at uh, international level. I played in Germany in the German Bundesliga. I, I actually played for Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> Not at football, but at ping pong. <laughs> Although I never told the girls about that. You know, they'd say, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I play for Bayern Munich. Forgetting to mention it was at ping pong and, you know, just leaving them to decide, oh, this guy's clearly a professional footballer. A, a really interesting time in my life. And uh, and again, you know, being a table tennis player is not like being a footballer. You know, you struggle to survive. And, uh, you know, I was always looking for opportunities to make money um, and uh, to make enough literally to be able to play full time was was my goal back then. Wow. And that's something I did not know at all. Did you know that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is, I'm, I'm going to take that thought away. I did not realize that at all. It reminds me of Joanna Toch, who was on here a few episodes ago. And she was a, an Olympic rower. Oh, was she right? Okay, wow, wow. So it, it shows you how people's career direction can change. I do believe this to be true, that when you're good at sport, one of the things it gives you, it gives you an attitude, an attitude of being determined, obviously, but also how can you get the best out of each and every thing that you do. And I took that from my table tennis and brought it in when I, I retired. I, I got, got involved in a sports promotion agency, worked for them for a few years and helped them to become the UK's biggest sports promotion agency. And that was the start of me really getting into marketing. And since then, I've just brought that attitude into my client. I look at each and every element of what they're doing and I've been able to work out what Really, I suppose through trial and error, what people need to do in order to improve the effectiveness of their sales and marketing strategy. So at what point then did you decide to actually set up in business on your own? Obviously, you've got this experience as a table tennis professional. Yeah. Obviously, you're playing for Bayern Munich now. People are starting to notice you. Yeah. Obviously, you've moved across now into marketing and you're marketing for that particular sports agency. Uh-huh. What is it that makes the light bulb come on that says, I could be an entrepreneur and you take you back to your eight year old self and decide that you instead of um <laughs> truth desperation. <laughs> That's the truth. So so imagine I'm I'm now twenty eight, twenty-nine years old. I've got no qualifications from school. I was too busy playing table tennis to be bothered about school. I got no work experience at all because I've just been a full-time table tennis player. It's like, who's going to employ me? So I, I decided that then and there, really, I was going to work for myself. I was going to take the same attitude, that determination, that will to succeed and bring it into the world of business. So, yeah, that's really the reason behind that and, and what I did. It's fascinating because desperation and adverse circumstances are really the driving force of a lot of entrepreneurs, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I think when times get tough, the tough get going, you know, and whilst I always think it's very sad when you hear statistics like eight out of 10 businesses that start to go bust within five years, I do think that if you keep going and keep going with the same level of determination, there's always a way is definitely something that I've always believed. I, I remember years ago hearing Tony Robbins say that there's always a way if you're committed. It's something I've tried to live my life by ever since then. I think you're quite right in that reasoning and that thinking, mainly because I feel that most people can achieve what they want to achieve, but sometimes it might not be exactly as you imagined it. Yeah. You will achieve success. Yeah, you, you're so right, Clay. My business has had many twists and turns over the years. You know, where you actually end up is not necessarily wh where you intended to end up. But I think the important thing is having some sort of plan, making sure that you work the plan, but it may turn out not to be quite where you, you want to go. Of course, most definitely. But it's also having that awareness and that self-awareness to think to yourself, this isn't the direction that I necessarily thought I was going on, but 
this journey could take me to a, an alternative place, but still as successful as I'd imagined. I totally agree. I'm a big believer in, you know, if you're going to set goals and have business objectives and so on, why not set big ones? Because, you know, if you have a, a small goal, you know, you want to improve by 5% over the next year, the chances are you won't do very much. Whereas if you have a big whopping goal that you're trying to aim for, even if, even if it's out of reach, you know, even if it's not realistic, again, going back to my table tennis days, my goal was always to be the world champion. Yeah. That, that, you know, why would I want to be second in the world? I've never got that. I was always wanted to be the world's best player. Never achieved anywhere near it. But I really do believe that if my aim had been to have been the sixth best player in England, which I did get to, then I'd have probably had lower standards and I wouldn't have pushed myself so much. So so my belief for any business owners that are listening, that you, you set a high goal and you push yourself as hard as you can in order to try to achieve that. When you started Steve Mills, when did you realize that you were in, in the marketing business? Because obviously you said previously you had no qualifications, you've yeah. purely been a sports person. Yeah. When did you decide to rock up to yourself and say, do you know something? I think I could do this marketing stuff. Yeah, a really good question. It occurred to me during my time working for the sports promotion agency, World of Sport, because I was pretty good at selling and marketing. You know, as I said, I helped them to become the UK's number one sports promotion agency. Uh, and that was literally from a, a startup by doing table tennis exhibitions around holiday camps. That's what I did for them when I first started working for them, literally when I was 18. And then when I retired from table tennis, I spent more time working with them on a more business orientated basis, decided I was going to get into table tennis. But interestingly, again, I took the attitude from table tennis and put it into business. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, when I was in, in table tennis, I got to be like the best player around Sheffield and, and probably Yorkshire as well. And I thought to myself, right, okay, if I'm going to go to the next level, I need to spend time around players who are at a higher level than me. I always thought I always wanted to be the worst player in the room, yeah. not the best in the room that's no good you've got to always be pushing yourself so i used to travel over virtually every day to manchester certainly monday to friday to manchester to go and practice with a guy called john hilton who was the european champion at the time a guy called nigel eckersley who was ranked five six in england at the time certainly when i started he was he was quite a bit better than myself and when i i got involved in marketing i thought to myself right okay Who's the best in the world that I can learn from? That was my attitude. I didn't want to go to university or college and learn from, you know, some professor who will all respect to them have probably never invested loads of money and time and effort themselves in a business. I thought, who's the best in the world? And I, I found this guy. I actually typed into Google, who's the best marketer in the world? And it came up with Jay Abraham. I decided to book on his workshop. It was a four-day workshop. It cost me $3,800. This is back a long time ago. <laughs> That was worth, you know, probably over 10000 in today's money, money that I barely had. And then I'd got to get there on the plane and the accommodation and so on. But I went and I got there. And when I was there, I noticed that there were round about 1,800 people in this who'd all paid him $3,800. And I thought, yow. I'm not an accountant, but that's quite a lot of money for a four-day workshop. So I thought, yeah, this is for me. I'm going to do what Jay does. And whilst, again, I've not become the world's greatest marketing expert, I'm, you know, I know my stuff. I've been around a long time. I know what doesn't work, and I think I know what works as well. Uh, and I'm very, very up-to-date. And I've just continued with that philosophy of finding the world's number one expert in YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, SEO, and so on and so forth, and then learn from them. And then I pass that knowledge on to my clients. You've decided that you are going to start off in business and you're going to work for yourself. What was the biggest challenge 
getting going. I think looking back, biggest problem I had being under-resourced, not having enough money to start off. My attitude was, yeah, well, I, don't, I don't need money right now. You know, I'm going to earn money and then reinvest that in the business. And I think that that was definitely a mistake. I, I think also the, the second mistake, and it's a mistake that I think most people when they go into business make, is that I underestimated how hard it is you know, the amount of time. I always remember a very good friend of mine who was actually the chairman of Tarmac UK. Oh, I played tennis with him and he was a good friend. And he said to me, yeah, yeah oh, it's great that you start in a business, Steve. And the good news is, is you only have to work half a day. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, it's true. When you run your own business, you only have to work half a day. He said, not only that, but you get to pick which 12 hours those are. And I thought to myself, how true is that? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, only four hours. No, 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 12 hours, only half a day, you know? And that is so true. You know, I, I, you know, even now, I started at six o'clock this morning. I probably won't finish till six, seven o'clock this evening, you know? And, uh, but, but do you know what? I love it. It's great. Uh, you know, if, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd still carry on running my own business. I've no doubt what, if I won 50 million on the lottery, I would still be doing my results mastery program. I'd still be helping clients. Probably wouldn't do all of it, but I really love what I do. Do you think that so many people are attracted to running their own business? Because even in your 28 years, you must appreciate how business has got a lot sexier. It seems to be a lot cooler to run a business is that when you were a young man and I was a young man, it, be, running a business was for fuddy-duddies. It's like, what are you doing? You know, go, go and get a job. You know, my, my father said, you know, don't, you know, don't do that. It's too risky. Go, go and get a job. You know, and then 28 years later, I'm still doing it. So I must have done something right. <laughs> well, exactly. I saw something on TV where it was a, a play or a, or a movie where the father was a butler and he wanted his son to become a butler as well and his huh? and his son said you know i'm going to start my own business and obviously the butler had been obviously a, a servant to many rich people and he yeah. saw what position that they were in yeah and ultimately it was as if the father was discouraging the son you know in yeah. some in the same way that your father sort of disco not in a way as to be negative or condescending yeah. but almost in a way as if to say stay clear of that because it's going to give you a lot of problems yeah i, I think you know my dad and, and lots of dads and mums all they want to do is protect their children they want their children to be happy and safe and so on and i think that's you know, that was the case with my dad. He was worried about what I was doing and whether I could do it or not. You know, as I said to you, I left school with, you know, let's just say minimal qualifications, having not really tried very hard at, at it and being too involved in table tennis. I had no real evidence that I could run a business other than I suppose my determination, my willingness to learn. So I actually, it, it's really weird. Whilst I didn't really like school, I love learning now. I'm passionate about it. I read probably a business book every week. I'm constantly investing in my own education. I think it's it's such an important thing for business owners to do. For me, you know, I think one of the big problems that people face in business is, is that really there are three key areas that anybody running a business needs to be good at. They need to be good at operations. So in other words, doing the work of the business, whether that's repairing cars, cutting hair, or what, whatever it is, you, you got to be good at what you do. Mm -hmm. To be honest, most business owners are, you know, that's what they, you know, I've been a hairdresser for 20 years. So I start up my own hairdressing salon, for example. Um, the, the problem that they face is that they're not very good at the finance side. They don't understand cash flow. They're, they're not very good at debt collection. Um, they, they can't read a set of accounts and so on and so forth. And then uh, the other big problem that, that they've got is often they're not very good at selling the stuff. 
you know, and, and you know, if, if businesses go bust often, it's due to lack of sales. They've got to be good at marketing and selling because if they're not, you know, that's going to cost them money and they're going to be, be a very good hairdresser, but don't, don't really get the money that they deserve. And that's through lack of sales and marketing ability. Indeed. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. You mentioned a list of things that people need to be aware of, operations, finance, selling and marketing. Let's go into marketing because obviously that's definitely an expertise that you have. Sure. What do people get wrong about marketing? Well, that's a, uh, wow. How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> what do they get wrong? I'd say the number one thing is lack of stickability. I use this term a, a lot, but people behave like butterflies. They come to me often, they say, well, I, you know, I tried, I tried uh, Facebook advertising. Uh, how did that go? Well, you know, it didn't go very well at all. It, it, it was a waste of time. It, it just doesn't work. And I go, oh, really? Well, what did you do? Well, we, we boosted a few posts and we spent £5 a day for two weeks and we didn't win any business at all. And like at this point, I'm trying to keep my face straight, you know, because they, they're just not not investing enough time, money, and effort in it. I, I, again, another example. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't really do very much. <laughs> well, I, I post on there once a month, you know, and it's just not enough. So, so not doing enough is definitely a, a real problem. The other two big things are not measuring your result. The old saying is you cannot manage what you do not measure. Indeed. So incredibly true. And yet I get people come to me and I, I talk to them and I'll say, right, how many leads did you get uh, this, this last month? Oh, I don't really know. Uh, what's your sales conversion rate? Uh, don't know. Where did the leads come from? I've got no idea. Uh, how many people have visited your website this month? I don't know. And, and they don't know. that They've got a rough idea of their financial numbers, but they really do not understand their sales and marketing numbers. And then their next biggest problem is that they don't work on improving those numbers, getting, getting more and better results because there's what Jay Abraham taught me on that first uh, seminar I went on, that the, there is no correlation between marketing effort in terms of putting money into marketing and putting time into marketing to the results that you get. And what he meant by that was that you, you can be on LinkedIn and use LinkedIn for your marketing and win no business or win over a hundred or two hundred grand. One of my clients, this sounds so remarkable that it, it sounds as though it's not true, but it is. One of my clients came on my, my LinkedIn workshop and phoned me up six months later and said, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, I do, I do yeah. He said, well, I'm just calling to let you know that as a result of coming on your workshop, I've just made 42 million pounds. Bloody hell. I know. <laughs> I said, well, I'm looking forward to getting my commission check. <laughs> he got lost in the post. I don't know why. I charged him £150 to come on my workshop, and he made £42 million. So not a bad return on his investment there. I think the champagne's all on him, I think. <laughs> Should be, yeah. Yeah, so, but others who come on my workshop don't do anything, don't get any results. So, you know, it's about action, taking action. Also testing different elements of your marketing in order to improve the conversion rate. That's a, another one. You know, there's an old, uh, old saying in marketing that the three most important things in marketing are testing, testing, and testing. Like, like when you buy a house, location, location, location. You know, try, trying different things can often improve the performance of what you're doing by a significant amount. I've got many examples, times when I've just gone to a client and gone, well, you need to change this because it's not working. We've changed it and perhaps it's not really worked again. But on the third time we've changed it, it's produced 10x results. Do you feel that sometimes a lot of people become wedded to a particular 
platform or idea. They become wedded to Facebook. They become wedded to LinkedIn. They become wedded to say face-to-face networking. And even though those things appeal to them, they don't actually provide any result. Do you know, (laughs) it's funny you say that because yesterday I was talking to a a potential client and he said, he said, oh, he said, uh, uh, most of my marketing is is online and we do uh, networking, online events we do. And that's how I sort of survive. And it's brilliant. He he mentioned the name of an organization, which I won't mention for the sake of embarrassing them. I said, oh, really? You know, tell me how much money have you made? Well, none. He said, but it's really good. It's (laughs) <laughs> I said, that sounds terrible to me. How long have you been going there? And he said, a year. So you've been at every week for a year and you've won no business and you sat there telling me how good it is. But look at it from his point of view. You see, the difficulty is he's being told that he needs to network. Yeah. Networking is incredibly important. However, there is a law of diminishing returns. Yes. And I knew a lady once, her name was Corinne. Corinne Stewart. And if I've got her name wrong, I'm sorry, Corinne. The problem was, she said, was that she lived somewhere. I think it may have been in Surrey. Okay. And she would come into London and she would pay for a ticket to come into London. Say she came after 10 o'clock. So at that time, she was paying a minimum of £10 for that ticket. Right. But now it's £13. Okay. So she'd be paying for a ticket. Then she would buy some expensive coffees because we're in the middle of London. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can't get anywhere without an expensive... Coffee, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, beers, beers, eight pound the pints of the coffee. So, <laughs> isn't that remarkable in itself? You know, what's happened to that coffee industry? You know, it's just incredible, isn't it? You know, exactly. So, she's she been paid for her coffees and then goes back home and then she says, If I buy a cake, it's extra, <laughs> <laughs> but come, come to the end of it, she goes, I walk away with not even the business card or without even a possible referral or a possible lead. And I never looked at it like that before. And when she quantified it and broke it down, it changed my whole perception. Look, I mean, networking is great. I'm a massive fan of it. You know, I think it's brilliant. However, uh, again, a lot of businesses don't do it very well. Let me give you an example. You've been to many networking events, yeah? Indeed. Indeed. Over many, many years. Indeed. How many times have you been to an event and you've met someone, you've had a really good conversation with them, they've been a good prospect, you feel as though it would be worthwhile communicating with them, you've maybe exchanged business cards, and then they have never contacted you at all. Has has that ever happened? I'm in the late payment debt recovery business. 99% of the time, I've never had a response. No, and, and I'm the same. I think literally, you know, 28 years of networking, and I think I could count the number of people who've contacted me afterwards on my fingers. Yeah, same here. What is that about? You know, that, that's where all the money's made, isn't it, Clayton? You know, it's not, you, you're not going to walk into a networking event, go, hi, my name's Steve Mills. Do you want to buy my stuff? And people go, yeah, sure. Let me give you 10 grand. That, that ain't going to happen in a million years. It, it hasn't. It hasn't. Ongoing, ongoing communication. Uh, and the great thing about networking is is you get to meet someone. And that, that for me, is uh, the, the most powerful thing you can do. I, I talk often about getting people to know, like, and trust you. Mm. That's what we're trying to do in marketing. So what am I going to do when I need marketing help? Go to somebody who I know, like, and trust. Or shall I Google it? For the for most people, the answer is the answer is somebody that I know, like, and, and trust. So you know that for me is just you know gold dust, really. You know, uh, if 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 you are going networking, you've got to become better at it because the chances are you're not winning anywhere near the true amount of business that you could, and that applies across the board. LinkedIn, the same. Most people's strategy on LinkedIn is to have a half-decent profile and post on there once a week or once a month, or actually not post on there at all and never do anything. And I'm talking like 95% of small business owners don't do enough or even anything on LinkedIn. And yet, you know, I, I win over 100 grand a year from LinkedIn. 
So, so far this year, I've won £40,000. And I say that not to impress anybody, but just to impress upon on people. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I think the thing is with LinkedIn, it is a very interesting, it's a very interesting area. And I've always found, I actually like it as a network. Yeah. I like the way it works. I like the, the way the system, I could never get on with Facebook. Okay. For some strange reason, me and Facebook, we just couldn't see eye to eye. Then Zuckerberg locked me out my profile and I stuck, stuck two fingers up to him yeah. and, <laughs> and left, left by the back door. Never been there since, but, yeah, yeah. but LinkedIn really, I, I enjoy it immensely. Yeah. The difficulty with LinkedIn is, because it has become this, it is the only game in town as far as business networking is concerned. We've got to be honest and say it is the only game in town. If you're not on LinkedIn, as far as the business community is concerned, you don't exist. I'd, I'd, agree, I'd agree, yeah, to, to, certainly to some extent. It is by far the number one uh, business networking channel by a, by a long way, yeah, absolutely. I know other people are trying to launch different networks, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But the yeah. reality of it is, is that for me, if you say to somebody, I'm going to find another business person. Where would you go? Yeah. Where would you go? Um, so for me, it's quite interesting. I'm always intrigued as to being on LinkedIn for such a long time. I get loads of connections and it's yeah. fantastic, but I've become a magnet for people who say, hi. I'm really impressed by your profile. Yeah. And I say, oh, oh, you know, that's nice of you. <laughs> and then they say, yes, I'd love to connect with you. Now, I'm cool with connecting with people because you never know when your next lead is going to come from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so then they then, <laughs> then they write back with an A4 page of their pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, again, you're absolutely. Well, they, they tend to do one or two things. Either that's the last time you ever hear from them for the rest of their lives, once you've said, yes, let's connect. Or uh, I had one the other day, within like three seconds of me saying, yes, I'll connect, I got this massive pitch, like, you know, out of uh, probably 500 to 1,000 words of them telling me how great their product was. And I thought to myself, do you know what? This is just madness. You know, they're trying to sell to strangers who they don't know on a network. It's like me walking up to a, a, a chamber of commerce going, hi, my name's Steve. Do you want need help with your marketing? No? Oh, right. Well, somebody else. That's probably never going to work. You know, and that's not the spirit of networking. And, uh, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. It's totally wrong on LinkedIn. That's not the way to do it. Definitely. So before we get back into the joys of marketing LinkedIn and onto social media, we're going to take a slight detour now and get into the section called What Are You Like? Where we talk about your favorite book, your favorite film and your favorite piece of music. So you've got some selection here and I don't know if you remember it, but I've got my notes here in good um, uh, detective fashion. So I refer to my notes. Okay. And you've got your... We've got you down as what is your favorite book? And you've got here, if I remember rightly, is it the E-Myth Influence? Yeah, yeah, the E-Myth by a guy called Michael Gerber. And it's got a subhead, Why Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It. That's my favorite book. I know that's a little bit sad that it's not some great novel or anything like that. And it's a business book, but that's what it is. And, and you know what? I totally recommend buying it. I'm not on commission. Go to Amazon or wherever and go and buy that book. It is blooming brilliant. It really is. I actually often tell people that there, there should be a law in this country that says you're not allowed to start your own business until and unless you've read the E-Myth. So <laughs> it is, it's a brilliant book. It really is for anybody in business. I have to say that's not the first time that that book's been mentioned. It's actually about two or three times it's been okay. mentioned. Right, right. So, and that always gives me the impression when something appears again and again and again, you know it is what our guests are saying that it is. And yeah. the Cashflow crew, they can also come to terms with the fact that obviously people keep mentioning this book, so there yeah, must yeah. be something in it. What yeah. do you think it has that really should appeal to new businesses? Um, 
it, it, I suppose ultimately it talks about many of the mistakes that people make. You know, the thing I just said about the, the three different skills that businesses need, mm -hmm. uh, i.e. marketing, finance, and operations. Uh, Gerber talks a lot about that and how important it is to have you know, mastered that at least to a, a reasonable level and talks about the implications of not doing, but it also talks about having systems in your business. He uses McDonald's as an example of how somebody managed to take a basically an hamburger bar and turn it into, you know, this massive company all over the world, employing young teenagers getting them to do the same thing to the same high standard, well, say high standard, that's questionable in terms of the, you know, wonderful uh, food that they serve, you know, doing things basically as a business to the same standards, no matter where you go. You, that's why we like McDonald's, even though it's not the best burger, the best chips or whatever, but we know what we're going to get. And, and so we like that. And McDonald's deliver it through systems. And he talks about in systems into your small business. So a system for answering the phone, a system for getting a meeting, a system for, you know, your LinkedIn, a referral marketing system, which is, you know, in this digital marketing age, still one of the best forms of marketing is, is referral or word of mouth, as it's uh, often called. And yet most businesses win a lot of business from word of mouth and they don't have a system for it. They don't have a process for winning business from word of mouth and again that's just costing them money because they're losing out on people who would recommend them but they just don't so let's go on to your favorite piece of music and you've picked great balls of fire by the great jerry lee lewis <laughs> also known as the killer the killer jerry lee lewis so i could talk about this all day okay uh, massive fan of jerry lee lewis massive i've got over 180 of his album bloody hell <laughs> Yeah, I've seen, I've seen him over 70 times uh, at concert. And in, in 1985, I decided that I wanted to meet him. And uh, I, I went on tour with him. Uh, well, I say I went on tour with him. He was doing a tour in England, seven places. I think, we, I think he went to Plymouth, Cardiff, Bristol, Manchester, Leeds, London, and Southampton, I was at every show. I went to seven days, I went on. Didn't get to meet him, I tried, but I didn't get to. So I thought, right, I've always been a big believer in taking action. So the following week, I sold my car. I sold my car for one and a half thousand pounds. I bought a ticket to America and, and went to Louisiana where he was from. I, I, I'm in this place called Faraday, Louisiana. And I met this woman in, in her garden and I said to her, I'm looking for a place called Jerry Lee Lewis Avenue. I heard that there was, they named a road after him, Jerry Lee Lewis Avenue. Do you know where it is? She said, no, I don't. His sister might do. She lives next door. <laughs> so, so next minute I'm finding myself with Jerry Lee Lewis's sister having a coffee. <laughs> And uh, we, we chat away, we get on great. I finished up staying with this lady and her husband uh, for about four days, got on with his sister and their their children and stuff. And, you know, did a lot of, a sort of had, a, had an amazing time. And then on the last day, I said, right, I'm taking you all out for a meal. We're going to go for a meal. We're going to go for Mississippi catfish in this restaurant I found. They said, fantastic. When I was in the restaurant, they said, so where are you going tomorrow, Steve? And I said, oh, I'm going to Memphis. They said, where are you staying? I said, well, I don't know. I'm on the Greyhound bus. I get there and decide what I want to do. The sister said to me, well, she said, to be honest, I've arranged for somewhere for you to stay. I said, what do you mean? She said, tomorrow you're staying with Jerry Lee Lewis. In his oh, my God. And I did. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, that's like staying for, for somebody, I don't know, like staying with any, like, you know, Madonna or somebody like that. You know, for me, it was uh, just absolutely incredible. So I, I got to, to stay and he, he played piano for me just for me in his living room. <laughs> it was just a, a, an unbelievable lifetime experience. 
Wow, that is. <laughs> Oh, that, that is a good story. Isn't it? That's that's that you can make a movie out of that story. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just about being determined. You know, I, I tried, I tried again, couldn't get there, and and so I took massive action, sold my car, I got back home. I had no car, no transport. Nothing. I was the happiest person in the world. You know, I'd, I'd met my idol and uh, and spent the night with him. It was just incredible. You know. So there you go. Now that is a story yeah 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 wow yeah that would make a fantastic movie yeah. it literally is yeah. Yeah, yeah this time next year you never know <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully somebody who does movies will listen to this and think this yeah, hopefully yeah. you know Oh, yeah. You never know. You never know. So we're going to move on now to the last section, which is your favourite film, and you've chosen that classic Star Wars. Oh, yes, yeah. If you ask me, I think there are nine Star Wars now. If you said, what are your top nine films? I'd say Star Wars 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on. Yeah, a little of Star Wars. Absolutely fantastic. I think they're brilliant. Just, you know, they have everything, don't they? You know, they're funny, they're exciting, they're romantic, they're, they're you know, they're about friendship. And I, I love some of the messages in there as well, you know. Uh, great messages for kids, yeah. you know. Uh, Yoda, you know, what, what a, what a character, you know, do or do not, there is no try. What a great message to put out to kids or to anybody, really. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. Yeah, Whichever yeah. it is, you're not trying to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either do it or do not. Yeah. And I, I say that to my son all the time. Do or do not, there is no try. Just yeah. do, go and do it. Go and do it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, as I said, another one that appeared on quite a few occasions on here on the Cash Flow Show. Yeah, yeah. So, after stories of meeting Jerry Lee Lewis and Star Wars and Michael Gerber, we're going to go back to marketing and a couple of questions I wanted to ask. And one of the first ones is, what's the worst marketing you've seen a startup do? <laughs> okay. Okay, I know exactly my story here. <laughs> So a client, new client, comes to me, and it's, it's back, back in the day, it's a little while ago. He said, uh, I said, what, what have you been doing so far? And he said, oh, he said, I've, I've tried direct mail. He said, but it doesn't work. I said, okay, wh what did you do? He said, well, I sent out a campaign, and I didn't get any leads at all. But you, you sent out one, one direct mail campaign, one letter, and then that massive multi-billion pound industry just worked. It went, yeah. I said, oh, how many, how many letters did you send out? And he said, eh. <laughs> hold on, so hold, hold on. So he sent out 10 letters? Yeah, once. And he didn't get the response? Yeah, and so direct mail doesn't work. <laughs> It was just, just a, I don't know, just a, you know, bizarre thing that someone thought. Um, you know, the conversion rate of direct mail is, uh, is or was one percent. Correct. Yeah, send out a hundred letters. You're probably going to get one inquiry. It sent out ten letters, and that was it. it. You know, it was a waste of time. You know, so yeah, it, it sort of links into what I was saying a few minutes ago. People don't do enough. They don't put enough money into it. They don't put enough time into it, and they don't get the results that they uh, would would want. They don't put enough effort uh, in in generally. I don't think, in terms of trying to get more out of it, you know, looking at ways in which they can improve without spending more time and more money. Well, they can improve their return on investment that they get, and that's what I specialize in. I'd say. So what's your view about marketing during a recession or a downturn? Okay, yeah, really good question again. My view is that people should do the opposite of what they do. If you think about it, when you're in, a, when you're in tough times like we are right now, it's tougher. It's more difficult to win business. That pie has shrank. There's not as many people buying stuff. Well, what do most people do? They hold back. They think, oh, I mustn't, mustn't invest. I mustn't, you know, things. They, they just cut back on everything. And what, what do they cut back on first? The very thing that they need to increase because things are tough. You need to do more just maybe to stand still. The real important thing that I think people need to do right now 
is to invest in, in marketing because if they don't, their sales are just going to go down and down and down. And, and that's just the way it is, whether you like it or not. It's a matter of improving and putting more time and effort in and maybe money. At the same time, I'd also say, have a look at the results that you're getting. And is it possible to stop doing some marketing that's not actually producing results and put that money into something else? You know, we work, I'll give you an example here. Work with a client doing Facebook advertising. They came to us and said, we want to do Facebook. We've got a thousand pound a month to invest. So I said, well, let's start off really small. Let's start off with 10 pound a day and let's see what is our return on investment. Now, the first two weeks, they got a, a four pound for every pound they spent. So not bad. You know, they, they spent 10 pound a day and they got 40 pounds worth of business back on average. So we thought, well, that's okay. How can we improve that? So we did things like we changed the headline. We did a couple of different adverts to appeal to different people. We played around with the landing page. We added a video to the landing page. We changed the headline on the landing page and so on. And we, we eventually managed to get it up to a 12 to 1 return on investment. So they were getting £12 now for every pound. We increase their budget, increase their budget, and so on and so forth, to a level where they were spending 16 grand a month on marketing. But they were getting a 12 times return on investment. Ooh. Yeah? So the, the guy came to me and said, what do you think I should do now, Steve? I said, well, if I was you, I'd spend 32 grand. He said, that, that's the only marketing advice I can give you. Just throw more money at it until you get to a level where you can't cope with the amount of business. Yes. Are, are you with me? Because you've got what I call proof of concept. You know that for every pound you're putting in, you're getting 12 back. I, I'd, I'd put a million pound a day in, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you would. In bank? Why not? I think I remember going to one of these marketing things. And it was a guy called Nigel Bottrell. Yes, Nigel. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. R referred to by his street name as Botty. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nigel. Got a couple of his books somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. I remember going to one of his seminar things. He was one of the first people that caught on to Google AdWords. Yes. Yeah. He was a heavy, heavy, heavy investor. Yeah. Such a heavy investor. I think they invited him over. The Google people invited him over because he spent so much money with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they probably wanted to check this guy out, see who is who is this British guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was that proof of concept that you talk about, which is actually the same thing, which is what you do is you throw some money at it, you throw some more until you get to the point of a law of diminishing returns. Either you're A, not getting any more for your money, or B, you've got so much business going on, you're going to have to spend more to keep to satisfy that business yeah, yeah. in any event. Yeah. And, and, you know, it comes back again to what I said earlier about quantification. You've got to quantify it. Yeah. You know, if, if my client hadn't have, have been very, very observant in terms of what he was getting back from his investment, he would have never got to the level that he did. Mm. And the uh, perfect scenario, really, you know, you, you, it's just like a machine. It was a money machine. You know, it's like a slot machine. You put a pound in, you get 12 back. <laughs> a pound in, and that's how it worked, you know. So it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it went up and down a little bit, you know. Sometimes it wasn't so good, and other times it was better. But on average, we were getting a, a 12 times return on his, his investment. So... You mentioned briefly about the Results Mastery Program. Yes. And you do events for that. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how that works? Yeah, sure. Results Mastery is almost like my, my sort of swan song. Not that I intend retiring probably ever. It's certainly something that I've pulled together over that 20, you know, 27, nearly 28 years. It's a program of advice. Uh, support and, and mentoring for small businesses. Members gain access to a, a weekly mastermind group that I run every Wednesday morning. I've developed a, an online training program, which they gain access to containing over 200 videos. We have a, 
use a great piece of software that we develop a, a marketing plan with them. So they've got their, their marketing plan online and on their phone as well as an app, which is, uh, I think, really cool. Good. We have a, a, an annual conference, and I also commit one-to-one -one time with them as well. You know, we work with them and help them in one-to-one -one meetings. So we get great results. You know, we, we've got clients who, who've doubled their business. It's open for membership. We're coming to the end of our conversation here, and I've enjoyed immensely. You told us some great stories and really given us some great nuggets of information, which are absolutely fantastic. So where can people find you on the internet? They've heard all these stories. They want to know more about Jerry Lee Lewis and <laughs> Bayern Munich. And, and also they want to know not to waste their money and where they can maybe get 42 million that's been going begging. Well, there's no guarantees on that one, let me say, but, uh, you know, the best place to get hold of me is at my website, which is steve-mills, that's M-I-L-L-S, dot com. Uh, if they go there, there's uh, you, they'll see some gold buttons and anybody's very welcome uh, who's a business owner to book a meeting with me. Um, I'll give them a free sort of half an hour, 40 minute. Uh, session and uh, I'll talk to them about how how they can market their business uh, and try and genuinely help them at that time. Other than that, you know, uh, stuff around, you know, go to my YouTube channel. There's there's thousands of Steve Millses, so type in Steve Mills Marketing and you'll get me. So uh, they can do that, or indeed contact me and connect to me on LinkedIn. So there's three great ways. That's fantastic. So if they want to attend your events, how can they do that? Yeah. So again, on my website, I'm running a, a, an event every alternate Thursday. It's called Results Mastery. If they go to my website, there's a, a drop down called Free Stuff and uh, it's under there. So uh, just look for result, Results uh, Master, sorry, Master Class, not Mastery. Results Master Class. If they go and book that, it's totally free to attend. It's a one hour workshop. And again, it's all about me trying to help people with their marketing. So Steve, what can I say? It's been an absolute fantastic conversation with you. I've really enjoyed it. Some great questions as well. It's always easy being interviewed when somebody asks great questions. So uh, thank you for doing so. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. So Steve Mills of stevemills.com. Thank you for joining us on the Cashflow Show. My pleasure. And thank you again. You're most welcome. We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world, and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for Real People, Real Business, Real Talk.